Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, you're listening to a special episode of Popcorn Podcast where we chat to the visionary director of Elvis, Baz Luhrmann, as well as his leading lady, Olivia Dijon, plus Oscar-winning costume and production designer, Catherine Martin, and producer, Skylar Weiss. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And we love to bring you episodes like this where we delve into the creatives that are involved in bringing amazing films to life. I love those juicy behind-the-scenes tidbits straight from the horse's mouth. Well, this is the juiciest episode of them all. (laughs) Now, before we dive into our chats with the aforementioned creatives, let's just give you a little look into what Elvis is about. So... Elvis explores the life and music of Elvis Presley, seen through the prism of his complicated relationship with his manager, Colonel Tom Parker. The story spans 20 years, from Presley's rise to fame to unprecedented stardom, set against the evolving cultural landscape of America. Central to that journey is one of the most significant people in Elvis's life, Priscilla Presley. Elvis is directed by Baz Luhrmann from a screenplay by Luhrmann, Sam Bromel, Craig Pierce, and Jeremy Donor from a story by Luhrmann and Donor. Elvis stars Austin Butler, Olivia De Jong, Tom Hanks, Dacre Montgomery, David Wenham, Cody Smith McPhee, Luke Bracey, Richard Roxburgh, Xavier Samuel, and Kelvin Harrison Jr. Now, before we jump into these absolutely fabulous interviews you can listen to our review episode of elvis which is available to stream on all podcast platforms right now so lee baz Luhrmann 
is, of course, he's so well known for his visually spectacular films and infusing music throughout them in groundbreaking ways. And so it makes sense that he would dive into a biopic of this scale, tackling the story of none other than Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll. But this is no biopic in the traditional sense of the word. That's right. There is so much more to this film as you're about to hear and the dedication and devotion from all involved in bringing this movie to the big screen, including Austin Butler's outstanding performance as Elvis. It's incredible. But we'll let Lerman tell you about that himself. So please enjoy Popcorn Podcast chat with the legend, the one and only Baz Lerman. I wish to promote you, Mr. Presley. Are you ready to fly? I'm ready. It's such an honour to speak to you today and congratulations on the film. Thank you. Now, I love this. So, you lived in Memphis for a while. Yeah, coming and going over like two years probably. And you have an office at the back of Graceland? It was a space, it was in, it was actually in the archives. I think it used to be the Marne or something. It wasn't previous, or maybe they built it new, but they have great archives. In Mm. fact, all the Presleys were kind of hoarders. They kept everything. Uh And Angie's done a great job of, like, you know, if Elvis ever had a chewing gun wrapper, it's item 3,572. Wow. Well, that's so helpful when you're researching a piece. It was amazing. Did that help you piece the puzzle of who Elvis was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was amazing. Um, That, the academic research, I have a great team. Um, And then the field stuff. Like, the Mm -hmm. biggest breakthrough for me was I was looking for this guy called Sam Bell, Mm And I'd seen him a little bit in some documentaries, but he didn't come up much. And purportedly he had lived when Elvis and his mum lived in Green Street, which is right in the middle of the black community. Um, They were so poor, after Dad comes out of jail, Mm. uh, they had to live in, there's a couple of houses they went like, okay, white people can live in those houses. But it's right in the middle of the black community. Anyway, I thought I didn't find him. And I went down to Tupelo and... Uh, there was a FedEx I sent sitting there with cobwebs on it. And we're like, it's not going to find him. I went around the back. His wife said, oh, he's in hospital. Right. So he came out. I found him. He was an amazing man. And he took me all around Green Street. And the thing that confused everyone was that the street was Green Street. They'd put a highway through. So right. they moved the street. There were two different streets. Uh-huh. The story in the movie where the little kids all run around together, he told me that verbatim, That's including... Special when the preacher grabs him and says, leave him be, he's with the spirit. Yeah. Wow. So that kind of stuff is is meeting people who knew him or people in the field. And, mm. you know, I, I could research and live any subject forever and not make the movie. I, that I love. Mm. And now Austin brings such incredible humanity yeah. and authenticity yes. to the character of Elvis. How did you collaborate together to find that layer of his performance? I mean, from day one... It's the most unusual experience of him ending up in the role. Mm. He will tell this now himself. I knew he lost his mum, but he loses his mum at the same age as Elvis. And he's kind of almost Mm. destined to play the role, but thinks, how will I ever do it? And there's a moment when he has this nightmare and he self-records him singing this song and it ends up at my desk and I'm like, what is that? Mm. And then I hear that he's been on stage with Denzel Washington who rings me and I don't know Denzel says he's kid just will not stop working he comes in and he just Elvis for two years and then the pandemic yeah he could have given up gone home he stays he stayed and I think by melding himself with Elvis at that level Mm. what he does is he makes him a 
a real human being. And this is a guy, for anyone under 30, this guy's like, Elvis is a Halloween costume or mm. Elvis is in Lilo or Stitch or something, you know? <laughs> he, you realise that he was a very spiritual and very unusual mm. human being. Well, how grateful we are that he was the guy behind bringing Elvis to life and humanising him. It was so uh, special I, I know, because I, I genuinely said, I'm not going to make the movie if I can't find someone to play Elvis. Yeah. Which I didn't think I would. Right. Thank God. Now, it's an interesting choice to frame the film through the villain of the piece in Colonel Tom Parker. Well, is he a villain? <laughs> well... According to him, no. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Some say I am the villain of this movie. <laughs> yes. Now, why did you choose that route and what convinced you that Tom Hanks could do it? See, I didn't set out per se to do a biopic. I love this idea that Shakespeare would take a historical figure and, and explore a bigger idea. Yeah. And the go-to for me in contemporary sense is Amadeus. Mm -hmm. Amadeus. Is it about Mozart? Well, it's actually a guy called Salieri's story. And Salieri goes, I was the most famous composer in the world. Heard, heard my tunes? Ding, ding, ding. We go, no. Heard this one? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, we know that one. Yeah, Mozart. Yeah. His anger... Mm. that God would put genius inside someone like that piglet of a person. So the show is about jealousy. Mm. And I wanted to kind of explore America in the 50s, 60s and the 70s and the click-in was learning about never Colonel, never Tom, never Parker yeah. because he's the great seller, the great huckster, the carnival barker. He's looking for a carnival act and he sees this kid's effect on the new invention called Teenagers. Mm. And he goes, wow, I can really, like, this is the best act I've ever seen. Yeah. And the tension between the cell and the soul and the brand and the spirit, like these tensions, when they're in concert, when they're in balance, it's a good thing. When they get out of balance, when it's just about cell, 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 mm -hmm. you kill the spirit. And that's kind of the story. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like we in the world were getting to that place. Mm, we're in that place. Yeah, we still are. Well, we got to that place and now we're suffering the consequences. Mm. We've got these tectonic plates of history sort of creaking. We're just giant, giant, giant things are going to explode one after the other, which yeah. is happening right now. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about this just quickly. The mixing of Austin and Elvis's voice, yeah. especially like later in the film in the 60s, 70s. Yeah. Um, is such a triumph in sound mixing. What was it like to get the balance right there? Was it a, was it a challenging task to find that sound? Well, the early stuff of Elvis, I've got a label called House of I Own. I've had it for a while with RCA. Mm -hmm. And actually, as a historical fact, the colonel who has this huge gambling addiction sells the entire Elvis collection to RCA for a pittance. So it allowed me to go in and just examine so much vocals without anything on them of Elvis. But you cannot use all the early 50s stuff. Mm. in a movie because it's all mono so I thought well I get a voice singer to do it but Austin said well I think I can have a god singing it I said sure I said do you sing much he said to my girlfriend <laughs> and it was astounding he yeah. just learned to sing like Elvis he's amazing he, he sings that and then in the 60s we transition into more real Elvis there's a few moments when it starts with Austin and it goes into Elvis and then the latter big sings that's mm. definitely Elvis yeah. like yeah. it's pure Elvis because you know, unchained melody, like why, why try and... You, it, there's something about hearing that voice at that stage in his life and yeah. knowing that he's going to be dead a oh, few weeks it later. It was so heartbreaking. The yeah. power of how the film comes to a head is extraordinary. 
Baz, thank you so much for your time. No, it's been an absolute cool. thrill. Congratulations. Thank you, man. I really, I like chatting to you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Cool. Reuben once told me, when things are too dangerous to say, sing. Wow, Tim, what a great interview. It was so cool to hear how everyone immersed themselves in the world of Elvis, right down to a gum wrapper, and to bring such incredible detail and authenticity to this project. Great job. Thank you. Now, when I asked that initial question, you know, Baz does this great effortless job of taking you on this anecdotal journey. Yeah. And just those little tidbits to the story like a gum wrapper. I just, I just yeah. love it. He's a great storyteller, that's for sure. Okay, so now let's hear from leading lady Olivia de Jong, who portrayed Priscilla Presley, about what it was like bringing this style icon to the big screen and how she tackled the monumental task. I think if you dream it, you'll do it. Never met anyone like you. I hope not. How are you, Olivia? I'm good. Very well. How are you? Very good. It's so lovely to sit down and talk to you about you. Elvis. I'm very excited. Congratulations on the film. Thank you. You are brilliant. Thank you. Now, what was the most important aspect of Priscilla that you wanted to portray? Her femininity. It might be a very obvious choice, but I think that, you know, she finds a lot of strength in softness, and I think it was really important to hone in on that. It's a very male-dominated story. There's a lot of masculine energy being thrown around there. So I think to sort of balance that out with, with softness and femininity and sort of quiet strength was important. Yeah, that quiet strength, she certainly held her own. Some vulnerability in there, yeah. yeah. Did you ever have any hesitation on taking the role of Priscilla Presley? Yes and no. Yes, because it could have gone horribly wrong for all involved, but also no, because what a challenge, I think. You know, Baz, I'm Australian. He's such an icon here, let alone in the world. So to sort of step into that world was an opportunity that I was, there was no way in hell I was going to say no. <laughs> and stepping into the world of Priscilla, yes. what did you learn about her through your research that you didn't know before? Her sassy side yeah. was kind of my favourite thing to find out about her. Um, and to find out that she had bite and grit and, and, and fight in her was, was uh really exciting to me and it's an exciting dynamic to play I think within her. Uh, let's talk about the look because I think Priscilla's look is as iconic as Elvis's in many respects. Totally. And what was the, the process like working with Catherine Martin in you know finding your character mm -hmm. and your feet mm -hmm. and her essence through mm -hmm. wearing the costumes and all those iconic yeah. looks? Good point I mean so much of her essence as well is through um, her clothes and, and, and what she chose to wear I think Something that's so fascinating about her is that her style and the way that she sort of presented herself to the world was so authentically her. You know, we were in a time with, without any social media, so all of her choices were all organically, you know, coming from her heart and her soul rather than sort of, you know, copying these sort of fast trends that we see happening right now. Catherine Martin's attention to detail is just, you know, unmatched. She is such an incredible woman. I've said this before, but like we should be making a biopic about her very soon, I think. Right. You know, yeah. she's in, she's insanely talented and um, yeah, going to work in these clothes that were made with such love and care um, every day. It really made my job so much easier. Mm. Well, we've heard it here first, the Catherine Martin biopic coming <laughs> soon. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. And I was thinking, you know, if Priscilla did have Instagram, like her feed would just be the most aesthetic thing ever. Right? I, I know. Yeah. I actually think that she would be pretty low key. Yeah, you're right. I think she'd be pretty chill. I'd give the people what they want, but only. But only a little, a little bit. bit of a tease. Yeah, 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 for sure. Now, what was going through your head when you first stepped on set with Austin 
as Elvis. What, what were you thinking? I mean, it was so exciting, you mm. know? I think to be standing on, on, a Baz, on a Baz Luhrmann movie, sort of playing these characters, and, you know, he's such a hard worker and so, so dedicated, and so to see him pull it off in the way that he did, it was, yeah, it was really, really special. And speaking of Baz, what was it like working with him and, you know, comparing it to other projects that you've worked on? Yeah, before? I mean, vastly different. Baz is a very enigmatic man and he works on the fly. He's sort of like this magician that is incredibly curious and pulls ideas out of the air. So I think that that energy is infectious and it's very encouraging and yeah, he attracts a lot of hard workers, and so the standard of work is, is very high when you're about when you're around Baz. Hard workers like yourself. Oh my god, I didn't mean that to give myself a, a compliment. No, but I, I mean, read between yeah, the lines. I'll take it. I'll take it. Sure. Good. You should own it. <laughs> do, do you have a favorite moment in the film, or is that just an impossible question to answer? Because there's so hmm. much to enjoy. I mean, watching the hound dog performance yeah. um, was pretty incredible. I think that maybe the scene in the car was also my favourite because I think it very was the emotional. most meaningful, very emotional, and I yeah. think it was such a reflection of their um, mm. and testament to their love and their bond past their yeah. divorce. Couldn't take my eyes off the screen during the 68 Christmas special because there was just so much going I on, know. the crescendo. The, oh, yeah. But oh. you know what's funny about that? I don't know how many people know this, but they also match the extras. So all the extras sitting around the, the performance are matched to what the real performance, like how people were also sitting. So wow. when you were looking at the side-by-side, it was just, it was insane. Well, there's that crazy. attention to detail that you were talking about. Unmatched, unmatched. Wow. They're, they're crazy talented. Yeah. Now, a bit of a personal question. Do you have any keepsakes from the production that you either I given or wish, borrowed? I wish. People have been asking me this and I was, I don't know, maybe I was a bit of a goody two-shoes and I was like, no, it's fine. Like, yeah. I, you know, I'm not going to steal this or I'm not going to like sneakily take this, but I should have. I really should have done that. It's just borrowing. I know. Anyway, I'm sure you could should have get borrowed my the go-go boots or something oh, that fabulous. I got to wear. They yeah. were so fabulous. Yeah. But no, I think they're sitting in, I don't know, somewhere. <laughs> they should be in my in my closet. They should be. Well, hope I'll manifest that. For please, you. please. Uh, in wrapping up, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. So been so lovely talking to thank you. Thank you. Now, how would you describe Elvis the film in three words? Bedazzling. Ooh. Divisive. Hmm and fun. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much, Olivia. Thank you so much. It's been much. lovely talking to you. Thank you. Take care. I need to get back to who I really am. Dijong is an absolute delight. I had so much fun amazing. talking with her. And I love her idea of doing a biopic of Catherine Martin. I'm sorry, that's just like absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So let's hope that happens one day. Would watch. Absolutely would watch. <laughs> Definitely. And speaking of Catherine Martin, the visionary four-time Oscar winner also spoke to Popcorn Podcast about the mammoth task she had of juggling not one, but two jobs on this film as costume and production designer and the lengths she went to in getting the costuming perfect. So let's take a listen. A lot of people saying a lot of things, but in the end, you got to listen to yourself. Catherine, it's such a thrill to sit down and talk to you today. Congratulations on Elvis. What a spectacular, spectacular movie. You really proud of it? I am extremely proud of it. Yeah. I'm proud of the team. I'm incredibly amazed by the cast. Tom and Olivia and Austin. I mean, wow. It transports me. I get completely disconnected from anything I've done in the movie. But when 
the cast come on and Austin's extraordinary interpretation of Elvis just transports me and I'm emotional every time. Every time, even now? Yeah. Wow. He's in, I don't know, he's incredible. I just think that Tom and Olivia just are extraordinary too. Now you were saying earlier that you're really proud of your team and you've been working with Karen Murphy in production yes. design for quite yes. some time, back Moulin Rouge days yes. even. What's your like secret weapon as a team in pulling off such a grand project like Elvis? Well, I think she is always incredibly researched, incredibly detailed orientated, has an extraordinary architectural eye and a kind of clean purity to the way that she approaches things, right. which I think is a really great counterbalance. Yeah. Now, I'm interested to hear your take on this. Now, I've read something where you said of this film that everybody is working together to achieve the unachievable. Now, how does one go about briefing your team to achieve the unachievable, or is that just what filmmaking is at this sort of scale? My job as a costume designer and a production designer is to translate Baz's vision into real objects. Mm. So that is what you have to do with your team. And then you have to also filter back the feedback that you're getting about how the scale that maybe Baz is going for and what we can achieve in the time. Mm. Baz is incredibly collaborative in that way. So you can go back and he'll be really strong about certain things he wants, but then he'll go, okay, I get it, and maybe we can go that way. And then it's my job to say, right, this is what we need to do. How are we going to do it? And I have a great captain. I have great captains, whether it's Ian Gracie or Kerry Thompson. They really take the charge with all the people and just go at it. Now, how has your creative relationship you know, evolved or developed with Baz over the years? We certainly have a shorthand mm. that allows me to interpret and translate some of the things that he's asking for naturally, as if I'm kind of breathing. Sometimes design doesn't feel like a conscious thing it's more of a physical thing oh. I can't describe it I imagine it's like if you're really good at playing tennis it's <laughs> when I'm you not. do oh neither am I <laughs> I'm scared of the ball but when you <laughs> do a, a volley yeah right that kind of they're the great moments where there's a kind of continuous flow of ideas mm. and then sometimes you have blocks and you just need to say, I've got to stop, I've got to sleep on it, I've got to go for a walk and maybe something will reveal itself. Yeah. So I think it's that. And also Baz is always pushing you to be better. Like there's always a new challenge. I've never made anything with him where I can just say, oh, I've done this before, I know exactly how to do it. Yeah. It's always more. Talking about the costumes, obviously Elvis's costumes are iconic and stunning. How did it feel to be working with the people who originally, you know, stitched and crafted Elvis's stage outfits? Well, it was a great privilege to actually have Jean Doucet, who embroidered Elvis's costumes, embroider Austin's costume. Because it's okay. just that little through 
line that gives an authenticity to what you're wearing. Mm. And the other thing, working with the Polstons from BK Enterprises and the fact that they'd done all the groundwork with the original designer, Bill Ballou, and they'd been with the belt maker and that they had an ongoing relationship with Jean Doucet, who'd been Bill Ballou's assistant, just meant that we were connecting to sort of the purveyors of the legacy kind of in the jumpsuit world. So that was terrific. In wrapping up, Catherine, thank you so much for your time again. I think this is an appropriate way to end talking about the costumes, the iconography of Elvis. What was your reaction when you first saw Austin and Olivia in costume as Elvis and Priscilla for the first time? I was amazed. Like, I remember seeing him just walk down the corridor in that black leather suit and go, oh my God. And then as he walks in and Priscilla just looks up at him and they kiss and you just think, wow, they are embodying in their own way those two incredible icons bringing humanity to both of them. And what more could you ask for as the costume designer behind those looks? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. No, I really appreciate thank you. it. Lovely to meet you. Thank you. In that moment, Elvis the man was sacrificed and Elvis the god was born. Now, I have to say, Lee, Lerman and Martin might just have to be the coolest couple oh. who ever existed the fact that they're together is just perfection and i love hearing about their creative partnership and how they work together to realize all the amazing films they have in their career what a back catalog they have in their career it's just amazing and imagine working so hard to create these authentic costumes and sets and then you see austin butler and olivia de jong step into graceland as elvis and priscilla it would blow your mind well like she said there was nothing else she could ever ask for but to have experienced yeah. that like you can just the way she uh, expressed that feeling on the first day of set you, mm. was just amazing And last but certainly not least, listeners, we have a wonderful interview with producer Skylar Weiss to share with you. Now, Weiss has worked at Basmark Productions for 18 years, he said, beginning as Lerman's assistant on Australia, I believe, and he's seen some things, right, over those 18 years. (laughs) He's got some stories to tell. We hope you enjoy these behind-the-scenes insights into the making of Elvis from producer Skylar Weiss. The greatest show on earth. It's really great to meet you, Sky. Thank you so much for your time. Now, I'd like to open by asking you, you know, what does your role as producer cover on this film, a little film called Elvis? (laughs) I don't know how long is your podcast, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) As long as your answer. I'm very fortunate in that I've worked with Baz and and Catherine for almost 20 years now in in an evolving capacity. But now as producer, I mean, that's working very closely with both of them to help develop and and manage and ultimately realize the big vision. And then on a day-to-day basis, it's many, many things in service of that goal. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I thought it's quite a loaded question to open with because producers have many hats. That's right. Now, I'm going to get the COVID question out sure. of the way. Let's just mm-hmm. let's just do that now. So what were some of the biggest challenges rescheduling the shoot for such a massive production like this? Were you shut down for about 12 months at one point? Not quite that long. Right. I would say that when our esteemed actor Tom Hanks got COVID mm-hmm. was in mid-March 
and we were back up and running into pre-production by end of August and okay. we were shooting by the end of September. So yeah. I think we were really fortunate. It was unbelievably challenging for the mm -hmm. pr production, not least of all because it wasn't something unique to us. It wasn't like a, you know, a cast injury or something happened on our film. I mean, this was a giant, this was a global pandemic that, yeah. that brought the world to its knees. So yeah. on the one hand, we're thinking about how we make this movie. On the one hand, on the other hand, you're thinking like, will I ever leave my house again? <laughs> <laughs> well, I had <laughs> that thought so many times. Yeah. It was humbling as well. Yeah. That the, the biggest problem wasn't necessarily the movie. We felt a tremendous responsibility to, to the work and also to the hundreds of cast and crew who were mm. poised. I mean, this was two days before we were supposed to start shooting. Wow. So people had already at that point put years of, of their, their life and energy and talent into this movie. And we mm. felt a great responsibility to make sure that we, we realized it. And Austin Butler and just was an incredible testament to his own dedication. He declined to return home to the wow. US during the hiatus and said, yeah. I'm going to stay right here in Pepper's Broad Beach, <laughs> in a state of heightened readiness, continued all of his own personal, you know, we had, to, we had to shed our whole production that kind of was helping him, his movement coach and yeah. all the vocal coach, and all this, everything went away, and he just kept it up himself wow, in, his, in, in his room yeah. in the hotel for months. And, and then we also had, had great, great support from the government of Queensland. Yeah. And our goal was to make a blueprint for how we could get the entertainment industry in Queensland out the other side of COVID, yeah. and I think we did we did both things. And here you are, the film's yeah, out, that's people right. are seeing it and loving mm -hmm. it. Now, Tom Hanks is everyone's favorite uncle, I think, <laughs> right? What convinced you all that he could pull off the to play the villain of this piece? Well, I mean, Tom Hanks is, I think, one of the greatest actors of, of his generation and, and perhaps any generation. Tom clearly embraced that opportunity and signed on to the film readily. So I, I don't know if it was a matter of thing like, can he do that? It's more. It was more excitement at the opportunity for him to for him to you know play a new note on his on yeah. his creative in, on his instrument. And it's almost you can't imagine anyone else playing Colonel Tom Parker. Can you? He's not a Bond villain. You know? <laughs> yeah, no. it's, he's not. He's not just this sort of cartoon bad guy. Mm. It's a complicated role yeah, because he and Elvis stuck together for decades, yeah. and and some of the points that he makes, perhaps sometimes cynically in the, in, the, in the film, but about how were it not for him, there would have been no Elvis. Mm. He never says anything that, that doesn't contain a grain of truth. It's just then what he does with that truth, yeah. which felt perhaps relevant in the world we live today. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> There's a deeper story here, you know, beyond Elvis as a person and a performer even. What is this tale really about? First of all, it's that story between Elvis and the Colonel and mm. what that represents and what that represents about the relationship between show and, and business mm. and what that says about, about the world we live in today and our, in our culture of, of fame and success and yeah. for Elvis to be perhaps the first yeah. really superstar yeah. Global sensation superstar. Yeah. in a way that people hadn't really had the opportunity to do that before. Mm. Looking at the eras of Elvis's career, America in the 50s and 60s and 70s, and what sort of overlaying that with, with what was going on in the United States at that time, and, mm. and again, how that applies to the, where we find ourselves yeah. now. What's it like working with visionaries like Baz and Catherine Martin? Well, you say that as if I work with, with, with dozens of them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, working with Baz and Catherine is a singular experience. Yeah. It's, it's sort of hard to relate that to anything else except right. to say, I mean, perhaps I can share one of my impressions of, of, ba of, of Impression Baz's. or impersonation? <laughs> I don't know. Which, which one should we start with? No. Do the impression. <laughs> um, is, uh, well, I think one of the hallmarks of Baz's creative process is collaboration. Mm -hmm. And what I think people may not 
necessarily appreciate unless you've worked with Baz, is that because he is so confident in his own vision and such an incredible communicator and, and showman, mm -hmm. it makes him very collaborative and very open. Awesome. And he welcomes ideas from anyone, whether it's, whether it's a multi-Oscar winning actor who's in the movie or whether it's somebody whose job on set to you know, trim the hedges. If it's a good idea and it serves the story, Baz is into it and it will be on screen. Yeah, and I was talking to Catherine earlier and she was saying that between them they've got a bit of a shorthand you know, having been together and working together right. creatively for so yes. long, I'd love to be on a fly on the wall to see these movements and these conversations. It's uh, it's, it's great, and and you know, as I said, I've, they've they've been collaborating for what over thirty years. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, my my sort of eighteen odd years at, at Basmark makes me somewhat new because there are plenty <laughs> of you know surrounded by people in in the sort of core team who've mm. worked on their movies going back to. Romeo and Juliet or Moulin Rouge. Mm. So there's a shorthand between them, there's a shorthand between each of them and their sort of key collaborators, and then kind of between all of us. It's a, it's a really unique place to work. And uh, final question, thanks so mm. much for your time again, Scarlett. Okay. It's been great talking. Yeah. What do you hope audiences will take away uh, when they see the film, when they see Elvis? This is a big screen, big spectacle movie, yeah. and I really hope that audiences come together in the theater and sit in a dark room full of strangers and go on this immersive journey. Whatever lingers with them as they're shuffling out of the theater as the credits roll, or maybe talking afterwards over a coffee or, or a drink, I mean, it's sort of up to you what to take away, but it's just that, that act yeah. of going to the movies and, and going somewhere and then carrying that around with you. I, I, I hope that people have that experience. Yeah, and what more could you ask for as a filmmaker? Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Thank you so much, Scarlett. Thank you. Appreciate it. Nice, to, nice meet to meet you. Elvis has left the building. Now, Lee, I think you can agree that after hearing from Weiss talk about Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker, it's unimaginable that anyone else could play that role, right? Yeah, I can't imagine it now. But, I mean, Tom Hanks is such a lovely guy. It's really hard to see him in this, like, douchey role. Well, everyone's favourite uncle, I think, was what, what, yes. I, what I said to him. Yeah, like, it, it's yes. so true. It's so true. But you will see a whole new side of Tom Hanks in this film when you get the, the privilege of, of seeing it in cinemas uh, right now. Well, listener, we sincerely hope you enjoyed that behind-the-scenes look into the spectacular movie Elvis. Now, as we said, Elvis is in Australian cinemas right now, and be sure to subscribe to Popcorn Podcast's YouTube channel to watch our interviews with star Olivia de Jong, director Baz Luhrmann, costume and production designer Catherine Martin, and producer Skylar Weiss over on our YouTube channel right now. And once again, guys, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. join in the conversation you can like us on facebook and follow us on instagram at popcorn podcast hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.